Suna Svanikir, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's so lovely to see your face. Um, we went to drama school together. So um, we did have one reunion about mm. 10 years ago, maybe. But yeah, uh, yeah uh, we haven't seen each other properly for a very long time. Yeah. And your life is very different now. Can you just give us a bit of um, bit of background into where you've come from, where you are now, what you've been doing, and yes, what is your profession now? Yes, well, <laughs> I'll try to sum up 25 years uh, as, as, as fast as I can. Um, well, I, uh, I am still a working actor, um, but I have also uh, branched out uh, because being live, earning a, a living as an actor in Denmark is quite difficult uh, unless you are uh, a big star, basically. Um, so you just brushed over that sooner, but you live in Denmark? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I live in a little town called Espagere, uh, which is uh, uh, up the coast from Copenhagen, very close to Elsinore. I'll get back to that later. Okay. Um, yes, so I'm, I'm acting, um, but uh, mo mostly in children's theatre and some live interpretation events uh, in, uh, in the Cornwall Castle in Elsinore, actually, Hamlet's Castle. I've been doing Hamlet live this past year for the wow. museum. Yes. Playing Polonius. Yes, I have reached that playing age now. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, and doing a little bit on telly and, uh, you know, stuff, bits and bobs, uh, commercials and stuff. Um, but I have also been writing, as you may remember, I wrote a musical during my days at Guildhall called Atlantis, uh, which uh, became a, a huge success back then. Um, probably the biggest success I have had uh, <laughs> weirdly enough um, but I continue writing musicals with some new writing partners and for the last 10 or 11 years have had quite uh, uh, quite a lot of success with those in, in, uh, in various theatres in Copenhagen not as big as Atlantis but uh, but still we've been doing a couple of uh, Ken Follett uh, adaptations so really, you have, you really do have quite a kind of uh, uh, an eclectic uh, career then in the sense that you're basically going to do anything to earn some money, aren't you? Yes, <laughs> basically. I also teach. I have, uh, well, before I uh, even started uh, at, at Guildhall, I, uh, I was a teacher in a little uh, what we call a youth school, which is basically night school for young people uh, here in this town where I live now, um, and doing musical training. This is Poppy. <laughs> Hello, Poppy. Um, and uh, I'm still teaching at that place. I've went back, uh, not every year, but um, occasionally doing musical theatre with, uh, with young people, which is great fun. How yeah. lovely. Yeah, and, and it has also functioned as a sort of um, what do you call it? A, a learning place for me to to uh, write and direct uh, proper big scale musicals. Right. Okay. 
And so how, why did you come to Guildhall in London? You lived in Denmark, you were quite happy teaching. What, what, brought, you, what brought you on that path? Well, I had wanted to become an actor since uh, high school and had applied for the Danish. Uh, uh, there are three sort of uh, established drama schools in Denmark. Uh, there, there were three at that time. There are more now. Um, and I sort of made it to the, uh, what do you call it, to the, to, to the final recalls, but didn't get in and sort of abandoned the, the whole idea. And then my, uh, my cousin Maria, uh, was uh, training at Guildhall as a stage manager. Ah. She said to me, why don't you uh, apply over here? I thought, well, that sounds like a laugh. What I, I, I'll have to perform Shakespeare in English for the audition. Whoa, that's great. So, uh, <laughs> so I did that with uh, somehow with my uh, expectations, you know, very low. Um, I just did it for a laugh and uh, it was over an extended weekend, and uh, when I got back home from London, I was accepted at Guildhall, so my life was in turnaround. I had a girlfriend, I had a um, place to live in Copenhagen, which I was really fond of, and now I had to move to England. Um, and I was sort of quite old, I, I was in my mid-twenties, compared to the rest of the gang. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, you you were kind of the daddy. You were the daddy, really. I mean, yeah, we I think... say this, but actually, you were only twenty five. <laughs> yes, yes. Would you say that you have been a successful actor, or have you been successful within the the industry that you have chosen? Well, it depends on how you define success, because, because um, well. <laughs> If I say no, why uh, why have I continued doing so? Well, I've been successful in the respect that I've made a living. Uh, I've also done a lot of voice work, uh, you know, dubbing uh, foreign language uh, cartoons and stuff. So I've sort of had a steady uh, flow of of, uh, of income uh, over the years, and coupled with the um, uh, with the last ten years of of the of the, of the writing that I do and the teaching um, I would say that yes uh, I have had several successful careers on their own in terms of money um, they wouldn't have been uh, termed as such um, but coupled together yes um, I haven't sort of uh, received major accolades uh, to me and I think to a lot of people in the arts industry if you are working, you are successful. And yeah. that doesn't mean that yeah. you are recognized in the street. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There was one time actually uh, that I was recognized, which is a very bizarre story. I'll tell it to you <laughs> anyway. But uh, there's this very famous stand-up comedian in Denmark who's called Anders Madison. He's super, super famous. And he's been for 15 years now, I think. And uh, back in 2004, he was going to um, do a television show where he was playing all the parts um, and uh, I was asked to uh, participate uh, because he, he needed someone to play against um, so uh, so I had to wear his costumes um, and I would sort of uh, be standing with my with my neck 
to the <laughs> camera. Uh, and he would be in the camera, obviously, all the time. For, for a whole month, we did this. <laughs> Uh, and the re and it was, it was such a bizarre assignment, but, but really funny. Uh, and he was a good bloke, and uh, we hit it off. But um, it was just so strange that the camera would always be there and never there, uh, apart from two tiny scenes. But I was also in the uh, bonus material uh, on the on the DVD where I talked about this. And because of that, and because he had such a huge following, I I was recognised for many years after this. I was the most famous neck in Denmark for 10 years. <laughs> I love it. I spent uh, the next 20 plus years in Copenhagen. And that's where I uh, met my wife, uh, Suzanne, who is uh, also in the arts industry. She's a conductor uh, and a trumpet player. Um, and we bought an apartment in Copenhagen um, and had our first child there. And then we left and bought a house, a lovely house, um, very close to the coast here in Espagir. And that is three years ago, three plus okay. years. Okay. Yeah. So tell me, Suna, how has COVID-19 affected you? Dun, dun, dun. Well, it, was, uh, it, it, it did affect me uh, quite a lot, actually. Uh, I was um, in in the midst of doing a production. Uh, we had been rehearsing for six months, and we were going to uh, produce it in Easter. And uh, when COVID came, of course, it was closed down immediately. Uh, which I, I, I still aches. Uh, I've been doing thirteen shows uh, of the. In the, over the last 25, 26 years there, and never have we had to cancel. It was just felt so wrong. Um, and there are a hundred uh, young people involved in this, and uh, of course they were really uh, shocked and sad. Um, but uh, I was as well. It was so bizarre. Uh, suddenly, uh, you know, having it all yanked away. Um, the only good thing was that uh, the, 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 the administration did pay us the full amount uh, that they owed us, the whole fee. So, uh, so in that sense, I got off to a good start in COVID. Then came uh, the lockdown and uh, I was here for six weeks with uh, my wife and kids. And that was... Uh... <laughs> um, it was great. Um, and uh, we had lots of fun. We, you know, we went on trips, and, uh, and we were fortunate to have the garden, which was really—I mean—to think of all those people living. If if we had stayed in Copenhagen, oh, it would have been madness. Yeah, uh, more so than it was. So you so both both you and your wife were then. That was everything. Just stopped. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes, Suzanne had some, uh, <clears throat> she's also arranging music and she uh, had some assignments that she could do. So oftentimes she would sit in her office down in the basement and uh, do that while I hung out with the kids. Seems fair. Yes. <laughs> but uh, so, so at times it was really huff, uh, tough, you know, I must say. But it was also great. I mean, they are, you know, 
two lovely little rascals uh, full of pep. <laughs> Good word. <laughs> yes. Uh, <clears throat> I had a show that had just started uh, when lockdown came. Um, it was a Ken Follett adaptation, uh, a book called A Column of Fire, which played in a, in a theater in Copenhagen. And they played for <clears throat> six days and then it was all over. Uh, and I had two shows that were going to run in the summer, uh, amateur productions, um, but shows that I had written, so we would get some royalties off of those. And they were cancelled very shortly afterwards. And I was also going to appear in what we in Denmark call a summer review. Review being a term of uh, a show that is compiled of sketches and songs, sometimes uh, topical. Um, and we did that last year for the first time in Elsinore, uh, which hadn't had a review for many, many years. So we sort of revive, re revived the tradition um, and we had to cancel that. We sort of kept hoping because, uh, because of the Danish uh, authorities' way of handling the situation, it looked sort of not too bad, actually, in, in the beginning. But we realized that even if we open um if we even if we had been able to open people wouldn't have come uh, because we were still everybody was still so uh, scared of this thing so we've postponed that to to, to next year so um, so lots of stuff collapsed um luckily my contract with Kronborg castle in elsinore um was uh, was not cancelled. Um, they, being a museum and not a theater, even though they employ actors, they sort of hoped uh, that they would be able to open eventually. And, uh, and they said they were sure that they would be able to attract more people if they had um, actors doing Hamlet all day than if they didn't. And uh, lo and behold, uh, I think, uh, they were they were going originally they were going to open on June first and and uh, they opened June eighth I think we started that day as well or a couple of days later okay uh, yeah so we had the month of May where we had to do our rehearsals uh, we started doing rehearsals on Zoom um, <laughs> and then we uh, went into parks <laughs> uh, we couldn't be uh, at the castle, uh, we weren't allowed. We, I don't think we were even allowed to rehearse in the parks um, because the, the castle is directly beneath um, the government sort of in, in its structure. So everybody working there is working for the state um, and all state uh, employees had to be at home still. They were still locked down. Uh, even though the rest of the country had opened. But uh, so, so we sort of rehearsed in secret in, in, in parks uh, for, for a couple of weeks and just to prepare if they suddenly opened and, and we could sort of deliver, uh, which was uh, trying to accommodate our employers. Our premiere was a little bit haphazard. So we yeah. weren't but quite so ready. You were getting paid while you were rehearsing. Yes, I, uh, we were employed for four months, one month of rehearsals, 
three months at the castle and um, and uh, we get we got the full pay for that as well okay. so uh, for a while we were actually the only actors in Denmark performing because theater culture had been shut down not culture but theater had been shut down um, until I think September what support was there out there for the arts industry yes well in the beginning uh, we had a culture mini uh, minister for cultural affairs who uh, who sort of uh, seemed as if she was not really doing her job uh, she was sort of more focused um, on uh, following orders I think so she sort of uh, she sort of said something like in a time like this uh, we don't need culture or culture is not important we have to you know put it aside mm -hmm. um, and it really sent people off the rails uh, on the barricades because uh, but that meant that there was literally uh, no talk of helping the arts for a long time it was it was businesses it was uh, well practically every other uh, department uh, and, and how did the arts how did the arts community deal with that well, there was a huge outcry and a lot of uh, writings uh, on the social media and in newspapers. Uh, but it was difficult to sort of, um, it was difficult to really get the points through or be taken seriously because um, the vast majority of, of the population, I think, agreed. I mean, uh, nobody was interested in going to the theatre. So they were sort of thinking short term, I guess, here and now. But as eventually our prime minister came out and said, well, culture is what is defining us, it's bringing us together. So obviously we have to uh, support uh, the arts because uh, eventually we're going to want to meet each other again in an auditorium, in a theater, in a cinema. Uh, <clears throat> And uh, so in August, I think cinemas were allowed to open, but with uh, uh, social distancing and, and also some types of theater. Uh, Have you had effectively a sort of a second wave now? Yes, I think that's fair to say. Um, but the numbers were really good in, in, in June, in May and June, because of the very, very uh, aggressive lockdown. Um, but you, you couldn't do festivals, um, but you could do a wedding. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Strange. I mean, I do, I do find it fascinating, you know, how, how different countries have dealt with it. Um, yeah. It's so confusing, <laughs> it's so confusing. Yeah, it's been confusing for everybody here as well. How many can we actually be here now? When we were rehearsing in the park, we, we had to make sure that we were not more than 10 people uh, huddled together um, um, but we were outside so what's the big deal but uh, but that was when it was at, at the uh, most uh, severe uh, time. So what is the current situation for for the arts industry and for theatres and yeah. music well, hospitality as well? Uh, hospitality you mean hotels and stuff? Hotels, bars, restaurants yeah. Yeah um, Right now, uh, 
we're back to from as of today, Monday, the uh, 26th of October. Uh, we cannot be more than 10 people together. Uh, we have to wear masks. In uh, we've, we've had to wear masks for the last two months in public transportation, yeah. but now we have to wear them in supermarkets and uh, well, every public uh, place. We've had to sanitize our hands and keep uh, one meter apart. Uh, and in, uh, in, in cinemas and theaters, uh, they don't sell all the seats so that there are spaces between people. So are the cinemas and theaters open now? Yes. They, they opened in, uh, in uh, September, if not August. Um, and, uh, and people have come. People want to go to the theater. Okay. Um, and I'm doing, I've been doing this uh, children's show, a Norwegian uh, uh, play based on a book which is really popular in Denmark. I've done that every November and December for the last 12 years. <clears throat> and this year we, have, we haven't received our contract yet. Um, but we're, two weeks ago we were told that yes, we are going to open. We will, we will have some rehearsals on November 9th. Um, but they, but this past Friday, new uh, restrictions came. And they've been waiting for those. Uh, but as far as I can see, there are. It doesn't. It doesn't stop them from producing the show. A lot of the the, the reasons that theatres are closing here, small theatres are closing, um, and bigger theatres, is because it's not financially viable to have half a you know, yeah. half an audience. So yeah. how, how, how are those theatres coping with that? Uh, well, <clears throat> some aren't. There are theatres that are not open, but surprisingly, uh, there are quite a lot. Uh, I don't know if, if they get any uh, sort of bailout uh, packages, uh, programs. Have you, had, have you had support from the government? Yes, I have. Uh, I received, uh, for, the, for the four shows that I mentioned, I got 5,000, the equivalent of 5,000 pounds. Um, Is that enough? Uh, no, no, well, uh, it was nice to have, um, but uh, if they had been running, um, who knows if, how successful they would have been, but uh, I probably would have earned something on the likes of 25,000 pounds. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we 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 we've taken a hit, yeah. and I'm not the one who's worst off. I mean, some people have lost everything, and I'm not, for some various reasons, uh, <clears throat> entitled to to any bailout money. And Denmark doesn't have anything like our arts council. So it's fascinating to hear. I mean, when I spoke to Giles in Rome, he said, you know, there's nothing like that in in Italy. You know. Um, so there's no saving of these theatres by some wonderful, you know, fairy godmother organisation. So, um, so has there been any specific sort of money from the government that has been just for the arts industry? Uh, yes, there, there was some sort of um, programme in August that you could apply for. You could, uh, um, if you had a new project uh, because everything else had been cancelled 
have, have you got anything new that you want to do in these times? Um, uh. And uh, it sort of, it wasn't really successful because they promised that everybody who applied would get money. So, um, so the people wrote in, said, oh, right, we need, uh, we, we, can we have thousand pounds for, for this? Um, and a lot of people had really put some effort into, uh, into the, we could do this and uh, make budgets and stuff. And, and of course, they, they had so many applications that they couldn't give people what they wanted. So instead of thousand pounds, you can have 500 pounds. Thank you, but now I can't realize uh, the project. <laughs> That's fairly ignorant, yeah. isn't it? From the government to have promised something without actually having the knowledge of the enormity of what they were promising? Even though it's a social democratic uh, government, uh, I must say they're not really uh, sort of friends of the, of the arts. Yeah. Do you think, Suna, do you feel like you're getting back to normal? Well, uh, <clears throat> yes and no. Uh, Susanna has been, she's had this uh, three and a half year um, contract with a military orchestra in Jutland, which is uh, in the southern part of Denmark. Uh, so during lockdown, she, she got her salary, even though she had to stay at home. But now uh, she's back to being freelance. For me, the work situation is, is a bit complicated uh, because People are not enthusiastic about launching new projects. Suna, have you ever, throughout this, have you ever had that kind of that awful thought? Maybe you you might need to change careers. Uh, I have had the thought. I know Suzanne uh, contemplates changing. Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I'm an old cat. Uh, changing gear this time of my life. It's really difficult to contemplate. Don't know what I was going on, what, what, what I would do. I really don't. Drive a cab. <laughs> um, I, I, also because I've, uh, I mean, in this profession I've had, or in this industry, I've had so many different, uh, I'm wearing so many different caps. So, should I find another cap within this industry or should I go completely somewhere else? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where. I don't, I'm not. I don't think I'm qualified for anything. <laughs> there have been a couple of times in my life when I have, uh, when I have done something else. I was, I was teaching. Uh, sort of. Uh, I had a. Uh, somebody went on maternity leave, and I and I took her place for a year in in, in, a, in an ordinary school. Mm -hmm. I never done that before. How did they allow that to happen? It was back in the early 2000s and teachers were needed desperately. So, uh, <laughs> you can, uh, you speak English, you can teach English, yes. Uh, and you, uh, do you play an instrument? No. But you know of music? Yes. Well, you can teach music. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, wow. that's how it was. And wow. it was uh, the toughest year of my life uh, until I had kids. <laughs> um, and then you well, realized it was a doddle. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. So, um, just a bit of bits and bobs, and usually I've been sort of discontent 
basically because yeah. I mean there isn't there isn't an actor yeah. in the world who hasn't had to do other stuff as well whether you know there isn't is there not even the most famous you know mm -hmm. so do you think there will be do you think the the industry there in Denmark will be scarred from this uh, I there was a time when I thought that uh, it would change things forever if they get this disease under control and doesn't branch out into new vira viruses um, then eventually it will go back to normal because people need it they 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 want to i mean that's that's what we have experienced over here what has made you the saddest about the situation hmm. <laughs> that's a good question what has made me the saddest well i think that was earlier in the um, in the in the period maybe maybe all the way back to the to the lockdown when i thought that when i had the thought that this could go on forever what what if this really does mean that we are never going to sit in a cinema together again or in a theater uh, people were myself included watching netflix is this how we're going to be uh, cultural in in the uh, in the future um and 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 young people not being able to meet up and uh, hang out uh, but, but but doing it over zoom uh that sort of uh, i think that has made me the saddest uh, uh, so um finally my final question is what would you like your legacy to be hmm I think I would like to have done something um, where I was solely responsible. I know, maybe write a book, maybe direct a film. Mm. I do like to sit at my computer and write, so so maybe this a book. What would your What would your book be about, Suna? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's the thing so uh, maybe maybe story of a father in lockdown tormented by his kids <laughs> I think maybe I think there may be a few books like that coming out <laughs> yes <laughs> thank you so much for talking to me today Suna it's been an absolute honor and lovely to see you again and I do hope, I do hope for all of us that things get resolved as soon as possible um, and that we can all start doing what we were, were meant to do again. Mm. So thank you. Thank you. It was, it's been great. <laughs>